place like home. He's here! For the holiday. Where's my snack pack? Because no matter how far away you roam. You know what? He smells. If you want to be happy in a million ways. Bob, shut up, shut up, shut up. As we continue this series, uh, Home for the Holidays, uh, I, I had a really cool view from behind watching uh, the Grace Community children. Felt like a proud father standing back there um, watching our kids um, just sing the words, uh, Jesus. Um, I, I love Grace Community Church, and I love how the whole family gets fed, equipped, literally to change the world. And uh, hearing children express... Um, how they love Jesus and watching them worship the Lord does a lot for my heart. Um, Even in light of what just took place in our world this week, um, I I encourage you, make sure you hug your kids and tell them you love them. And I really believe the best gift that you can ever give your children as a parent is not your accomplishments or your achievements, but to give them Jesus Christ. And uh, make sure you tell them about Jesus today even before this season is all over and, and sit down and, and, and go after your kids and just express to them how important it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, but praise God for our children uh, here at Grace Community Church. Today, we continue um, this series uh, talking about family and looking, looking at what do we do when we butt heads. Today, we're going to talk about a concept that probably most of you don't deal with, probably never dealt with, it's conflict. Um, you probably never had that in a family relationship. And um, if you say you haven't to that, then you're a big fat liar and you'll probably turn blue. Um, uh, but conflict is something that we live with, something that is a part of our everyday lives. And, and the truth is this, as long as there's family, there will always be some form of conflict. If that's the case, then what should we do with conflict? How do we find resolution to conflict? How do you find resolution to that family that's coming that you're glad you only get to see once a year? How do you you find resolution to that wayward child that's living in a, a way that maybe that you're not in approval of, that's bringing a girlfriend or boyfriend home that they've been living with? How do you deal with that, that soured relationship that you have with your in-laws or your mother or your father, and you know that you want to go home for Christmas. What do you do when there's a rift between a husband and wife? What do children do when there's a difficult decision that's on the, looming on the horizon and their parents at a different place than they are? How do you resolve conflict? We have all learned that when We win an argument in a family, and I'll say this over and over today. When you win an argument in a family, really, does anyone win? Do do you win? Like, 
you're, you're having this disagreement between husband and wife, and the husband pulls out his list, and he pulls out his, his uh, flip charts, and he has his Excel spreadsheet, and he's got his iPad, and he's got his, he's got his iMac, and he, I mean, just Mac, and there it, is, there, there, there it is, and he's laying out, and he said, here it is, and he scrolls through, and scrolls through, and says, and she says, okay, you win. Do, do you really win an argument if one walks away and says, I won, and does the husband does, when the wife proves her point, does he celebrate and say, yeah, you won, praise God. I mean, it, do, does anyone really win at family arguments? Do you really win in an argument or conflict with your child when, when somehow you prove that you're right? They leave the room and say, another one for mom, another one for dad. You win again. Let's high five. Do, do you really win family arguments? Does anyone win? I mean, you can win at work. There's there's a disagreement or there's, you're trying to determine what's the best decision to make. And, and, then, and then you come up with the saving answer, like in the ninth hour. And it's like, yeah, and everyone high fives you and you get a bonus. But do you get a bonus in your family when you win an argument? It's like, hey, I won. Got to take a bonus. Hey, how about a steak right here? Cook it right now. I mean, do we really win at family arguments? Or you can win on the basketball court with a, with a strategic decision to stop a player who's been scoring on you the whole game and, and you're the coach and, and you come up with a play to go a box and one or, or to trap him in the corners and you can win that or you can win an argument in a debate, maybe, but you never win a politics debate, but you can win, win, an, win an argument there and you can walk away and feel good about it. But do you really win when you walk into your child's bedroom and you show them what is right and what what is, what is correct, and you prove it, and, and there they are. And, and as you leave the room, your daughter looks at you and says, wow, Dad, you won again. Praise God. It, I mean, do, does anyone win at family arguments? All of us deal with conflict differently. And I would say that, really, no one wins when it comes to conflict if it's not handled in a biblical way. But all of us deal with conflict in different ways. Some of us get mad inside and we keep quiet and we give the other person the silent treatment. Some of us withdraw to a safe distance because you don't like to argue. It's like, oh, I don't even want to go there. Some of us get angry and call names and criticize and scream and give sarcastic responses and we get the last word in and, and the volume keeps going up till we get the last word in. Some of us give in and say, I guess you're right. Some of us deny or pretend that everything is okay and that there aren't issues. And so no conflict arises. One person says it this way, there's kind of five different kinds of conflict types. There are some that we call the peacemakers. They don't argue at all. Conflict arises They'll just say, whatever, whatever. Let's all join hands and sing kumbaya. Come on, sing it. Kumbaya, kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. And you got the, the one that doesn't want to sing kumbaya. Come on, let's sing in Jesus' name. Kumbaya. Let's all get together and let's get along. Some of us are peacemakers. Some of us are sulkers when it comes to conflict. Just kind of down and out and just depressed and heavy. And, and, and you ask them if you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. Some of us are stuffers. Some of us, if someone asks in a conflict resolution, are you okay and you're a stuffer? Yes, I'm fine, I'm fine, I told you I'm fine. Some of us are 
come from families that are screamers, loud, and you just put it out there, and then you pray, and you eat supper, and, and then how about, how about if you marry a screamer? You ever get married, and then you're a peacemaker, and like you come into this family, and he, he's a screamer, and you're like a peacemaker, and the first time he raises his voice, you're like, what just happened? He's like, what's wrong? We always talk like us. And so you want to, come on, kumbaya, come on, kumbaya. No, I don't want kumbaya. And then he sits down and he eats. And it's like, he, he's okay. He's got it all out and put it out there. And you're like, what just happened? Some of you are litigators when it comes to conflict. I mean, you are never wrong. You've, in fact, you've never been wrong. And you're the best arguers. And even if, if I mean, you have, you chart it out, you explain it, you take, use pie in it somehow, time, and you use, you just use EMC, you know, it's just like you've got all the formula, it's like, whoa, I didn't know, yeah, let me show you how that works, and you pull it out, and, and then, and then you, you litigate it, and then even if, if, if they even said to you that you're, you know what, you're never wrong, you say, oh, yes, I have been, let me show you, it's like, so we have, we have all kinds of people. What do you do with peacemakers and sulkers and screamers and litigators and stuffers? And how do you take all that and live in a world that there will be conflict and there will be times where you disagree? So the question today is this. Why do we have conflict? And you want to say, take a look, Jim, right there, right there. It's him. Spend three hours with her. And so immediately, why do we have conflict? Well, let's see what the word of God says. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of James, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. If you need a Bible here in the main or the link, um, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to James chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 to 3, and we're going to see what the Bible has to say about conflict resolution. And I suspect that you'll leave this service different than what you did when you came in if you apply what James says here. Stand with me. Let's read it together. James 4, verses 1 through 3. James 4, verses 1 through 3. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Read. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You may have a seat. I could probably sum up this message right now and say, let's go home, Jesus' name, amen, let's go watch the Redskins win today. I could, I could say that. I hope I'm prophetic with that. I don't know that I am. But I could end this message by saying this. You are the cause of the conflict. No, not that you, this you. You are the cause of the conflict, James says. Right, right now, he's saying, right off, he said, you are the problem. Not that way, this way. You, me, us, we 
are the cause of the conflict. You say, no, 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 Pastor Jim. No, no, let me tell you. No, I don't want to hear your story. James says, the brother of Jesus, inspired through the Holy Spirit, says, you are the problem and the cause of the conflict. In fact, I felt pretty good just to say that. I mean, think about this. If you're with a family or friend right now, I want you to just, we're going to do it two ways first. First, I want you to point the finger at them and say, you are the cause of the conflict. Go, just get it off. It'll feel good. Just give it to them. All right, come back, come back. It's taking a little bit too far here. Didn't that feel good? Just finally I got to tell her and tell him, you. Now, James says just the opposite. James says this, I am, we are the cause of the conflict. Now, look at your family, your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, mom or dad, husband, wife. Now look at them and say, I am the cause of the conflict. Say it. Say it. Right now I see video. Guys got their smartphones out, videotaping us. She said it. Post Facebook said. I got it. Praise God. James says, I am the cause of the conflict. Remember, he said that, she said that, and you heard it here at Grace Community Church, Sunday morning, you heard it. They said it. I am the cause of the conflict. Look back at verse one. Look what it says. Look what James says. James chapter four, verse one, he says it. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Question mark. Don't they come from your what? That battle within, he says, don't they come from your desires? That battle within you. You say, no, Pastor Jim, it's their desires. It can't be me. Come on, take a look. Come on. James says, it's our desires that battle within us, and they come from within us. You want to say, no, well, how about when he keeps coming home late and and we have this conflict, and I've asked him to come home at 5 o'clock because that's when the family sets down. It's his fault. Well, how about when they don't clean up the rooms when I've asked him over and over to clean up the room? You're telling me it's my fault? James says it. I didn't say it. James says it's your problem with the conflict. Come on, Pastor Jim. This is the 53rd time he's done it. I got proof. Here it is. I've dated it. Here it is. Let me show you. Scroll. James says, it's your problem. There's a, no, no, it's, he keeps coming. He keeps doing this. And so every time we talk about it, it's just, it's his fault. Blame, 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 blame. James say, no, it comes from within you. It's your desires that battle within you. But, but Pastor Jim, they keep doing it over and over and over and over. And I keep reminding them in texts and emails, and I keep telling them with posty sticky notes all over the place, and they just don't get it. It's their problem. If he would just do it, I'd get rid of the sticky notes. James says, it's your problem. The conflict comes from you, the evil desires within you, not him or her. For some, it's so bad with families, they don't even want to come home. 
for Christmas because they know when they come home, they have to face that mother, that father, that mother-in-law, that father-in-law, that super righteous brother, that super righteous sister. They don't want to come home because they know when they go home that there will be conflict and at some point that issue will come up again. It'll come up and they, the parents, will look at us and say, it's your fault. And so kids stay away for long periods of time and they would rather go to Africa and eat scorpions than than come home at Christmas. And you might say, well, no, no, no. Hey, listen, I'm the leader of this house. They're supposed to, they're coming here, they're listening to me. Doesn't father know best? Or if he just did it my way, then there wouldn't be any conflict at Christmas or any other family gatherings. In fact, why can't they just do it my way? And then you break out in a song, I did it my way. It's like, I don't even want to go home to that. Yet James says the reason there is conflict and quarrels is because of you and you and you and you and not them. James says, instead of pointing your fingers and blaming them and them and them, it's you. You're the cause of the conflict. Wait a minute, Pastor Jim, no way. Listen, This is what always happens. Listen, James says that you're the cause of the conflict and quarrels in your homes. The blame game leaves everyone conflicted. You will never find joy if you keep blaming someone else. When I bring people in for pre-marriage counseling, especially young couples who who are getting married for the first time, One of the things I tell them, your first source of conflict will be the holidays. Mom will call and say, hey, we always do this on Christmas Eve. We've been doing this since you've been a little baby. And so we want you to come over on Christmas Eve. Or his father calls and says, we always do this on Christmas Eve. So let's continue to do, you won't break that tradition, would you? And then I say to this couple, I say, listen to me. I look at the man and I say this, as you lead, gently lead, but you're going to take some heat. You might have to call your in-law up and say, you know what? We're doing our own traditions. We're getting our own tree. We're having our own Christmas Eve together. We're not coming over and watching the elf again on Christmas Eve with you. We're not getting pictures taken around the fireplace, but we've always, you're going to have to be the mean guy for your wife's sake. Conflict. What happens is parents haven't cut the strings and released them to be on their own. They don't call and say, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? Can we join you? They say, hey, you join us. And if you don't join us, guess what could happen? Mom gets into one of her, or dad gets into one of his moods. You've seen it? And so holidays bring out the best in everybody. We've always done this. And so I tell married couples, listen, 
you will have conflict. Yes, this beautiful woman that you love and this hunk of a man that there's no creature on earth like him, you will have a disagreement. And it'll probably be over where you spend Christmas. Conflict is part of family. And James says the quarrels and fights come because of you and not them. I watch this happen all the time in all arenas. Church, family, friends. Even for that matter, me. I often get blamed for all kinds of things. How come we can never do that? And I can't believe he said that. And, and if he, we would be much better off and he just ticks me off. And the blame comes my way. Instead of stepping back and saying, James says the cause of the conflict comes from within us. Us. You. Listen to me for a second here. You blame someone else, you lose the ability to find resolution to your unhappiness. If you won't back down and recognize that maybe I'm partially responsible, then you'll never find resolution to your conflict. It's a vicious cycle, too. Let me say it this way. Hurt people hurt people. Someone that's been wounded from the past. Someone has a scar from the past. Someone that, like, when this issue surfaces in their life, it, it goes to that wound. It hits that wound. And all of a sudden, that area of their life where they've been wounded from the past, something can come out of us if we haven't dealt with this wound that we, in turn, hurt people because we've been hurt. Hurt people hurt people. I find it interesting in conflict times. I often stand back and say, oh my goodness, there's more underneath. That response is a result of something from their past. And James is saying, listen, often the conflict comes as a result of our desires that battle within us, yet we want to pass the blame away to someone else. Some are really good at this too. And they wonder why they're feeling so miserable. I mean, you run into them. These people just miserable, just mad at the world. And it's like, man, they just can't wait to tell someone that they did that and they did this. And it's like, they can't wait to type it and they can't wait to speak it. And I just said, oh my goodness something's underneath. And even worse than that, they get ticked and they blame you. And then they get ticked at you if somehow you don't let it steal your joy or happiness and you just walk away and you're going to remain the same because you know who your identity is in Jesus Christ. And it's like, you're not letting that hurt you. And then they're mad that somehow you are mad. It's like, I can't believe you're not mad. Well, I just know who I'm in Jesus Christ. By the way, let me just pull away in this whole sense of conflict and resolution and say this. When people start to throw words at you, remember this. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. So if they try to throw this heap, this insult on you, try to throw these things on you, you know who you are in Jesus Christ. When that blame comes, when those insults come, you don't have to fire back because you know that you're redeemed, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, born again, have the resurrection power inside of you, and you are powerful and strong in the name of the Lord. 
And those words don't have power over you. Yes, some believe just the opposite. In fact, look at verse 2 of James chapter 4. James says this, you want something, but you don't what? You kill and what? But you cannot have what you what? You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Look back at verse 2. It says, you quarrel, and the reason is you want something, but you don't get it. But you cannot have what you want, so you kill. Some of you are willing to continue to hurt people you're supposed to love the most to get what you want from them. When the Bible says you bear responsibility for resolution to this conflict, James says that the cause of quarrels and fights are the desires that battle inside of you. Right now, if you want to see the room temperature go down in a situation that you're about to approach and you want to see it drop 50 degrees, then you must realize you can't get what you want from those people that you are trying so hard to get it from them. And all of your Christmas gatherings will change. In fact, one preacher said it this way when it came to this text. He said this, in the midst of an argument, in the midst of a quarrel, in the midst of a fight, you should say these words. I can't get what I want from you. And in turn, they say, I can't get what I want from you. It's not, I can't get what I want from you. It's, I've just realized, I can't get what I want from you. And so in turn, they say, I can't get what I want from you. Imagine going to this conflict situation. The heads are coming. You can see you're getting closer and closer. You know it's going to surface. They're going to say that. You're going to say this. Or they're finally going to bring up that issue in that marriage or that conflict issue uh, between a parent and a child. You know it's coming and you got to face it. What would happen if you just stopped and said, you know what? I just realized something through the word God. I can't get what I want from you. And they say, you know what? I can't get what I want from you. So if I can't get what I want from you and you can't get what I want from you, where are we going to get it? James tells us that those issues come from the desires that battle inside of us. Imagine walking in, trying to get something that they're not able to give to you and plowing through it and pushing and litigating and sulking and stuffing and doing whatever you can and getting louder and working your way till finally you get what you want and no one wins. Do you really win? James says no. Every conflict comes as a result of something you want. No, you say, Pastor Jim, everything comes from because of something I deserve. He's been treating me this way. She's been treating me this way for 40 years. This kid has said this for 17 years. That, 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 that worker has done this. My brother has said this. My sister did that. And so this is something I deserve. Not something I want. This is something I deserve. James says you want it so badly. Look what he says, that you are willing to kill to get it. Just so you can get what you want. And it begins with our words. Listen to me right now, please. Right now, some of you are breathing death and destruction all over your families. You're breathing on these Christmas encounters that are going to happen. You're breathing it on friends and marriages. Because you want something you can't get. 
and you are torching those closest to you with your words. James says, you're trying to get something that you can't get from them, yet you keep trying to get it. And the more you try to get it, the more the conflict occurs, the more the quarrel occurs, the more the fight occurs. And James is saying, stop, you can't get what you want from them. Pull away and say, maybe this conflict is the result of what is battling and raging inside of me. And it begins with our words. And so when we try to get it, we just keep speaking. We just keep talking. We just keep proving. We just keep litigating. We just keep typing. We just keep hitting sin. We just keep posting. We just keep until you get it. And meanwhile, all behind you are all these carcasses of people that you have filleted and torched and killed with your words. In fact, Proverbs says it this way in 1821. It says, words have the power of life and death. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 4 says this, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And so our words become literally weapons. Our words literally commit first degree murder, he says, you kill. And you might say, well, it's manslaughter. Either way, you are harming, you are destroying. And so you have these people, you have ladies that I would just say that they're, you you call them dragon ladies. When they speak, fire comes out and they just torch. Or you have men, I call them TNT Teds. It's like they, they leave bombs and they just destroy with their words. And so every time you see them, it's like this torch, they speak. And the words literally out of their mouths, it's like they speak. How you doing? And so this is a picture of someone who is causing a conflict and quarrel and they want to get their way and they're blaming and they're pointing and they're using their words. And you have dragon lady and TNT Ted's everywhere you go. And James is saying, it's not their fault. It's yours. It's what you want to take place. So here's how it goes. Relationship after relationship is killed because you couldn't get from them what you wanted. And you refuse to ever consider that you might be partially responsible for it too. Parents mad at children and children mad at parents. Relationship after relationship littered with shame, guilt, hate, all because someone wanted something from someone else that they couldn't get so that they could feel prouder and better about themselves or even more fulfilled. And right now, some of you are in the process of doing the very same thing in relationships, but you defend it by saying this way, well, Pastor Jim, I just want the best for her. You know, I just want the best for Junior. I just want the best for him. And so, I just want to make sure, you know, that that he does this and she does that. And you want your husband to live to his full potential. And the truth is this, you lie to yourself because it's not about them, it's about you. And James saying this, as some of us in this room, and many of us in this room bear responsibility but have neglected to say that I am 
responsible for this conflict because I'm trying my hardest to get something from them and I just can't get it. And so I will continue until I get it. And meanwhile, you just kill, destroy. But you win. But does everybody win? Do you know why you hurt people the closest to you and not your neighbor or your Facebook friend? Do you know why? Do you know why you hurt people closest to you? It's because you are close to them and you want something from them. And do you know why you hurt people close to you? It's because you are close to them. Do you know why there's conflict and quarrels? It's because you are close to them, James says. Think about this. How easy is it to live nine months, 12 months away from family? And then it's like, man, I don't feel anything for for a long distance. It's like, but it gets like November. It's like, oh, we got to go home at Christmas. And so you get in your car and, and you try to get closer and closer and closer and closer to them. And as soon as you get closer, it's like there's the driveway and all this tension begins to rise. Like, oh no. And you walk out, you got the Christmas gift. Did you get her gift? Yeah, I got it. There it is, I got it. Same things last year, fruitcake. And so you come up to you walk right up. You knock on the door and it's like you've, you've lived 500 miles away and you're like, why do I feel so horrible when I didn't feel so horrible a month ago? It's because you got close to them. It's because of you. It's because the proximity of space got closer and closer and closer. The best way I can visualize it is this way. This is us. This is a wire brush, by the way, on a drill. And when wire brush Willie gets closer to someone, it gets more painful and there's friction. And the closer he gets... But when he's 500 miles away, he can't reach. You don't have to deal with it. The primary problem that there's conflict is because you moved in. Listen to me, Grace. This is lethal information that could revolutionize relationships if you're willing to let it. The reason there's conflict with you and your dad, the reason there's conflict with you and your kids, The reason there's conflict with this husband or wife, think about this for a second. I often hear people say say things like this. They say, you know what? I didn't have these problems when I was single, as if like somehow marriage creates problems. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as marriage problems. They're called single problems. And then when two singles move together, guess what happens? You get in close. And then you come after them. It's not like getting married caused the problem. The reason the problem came is because you got close to her. And so when you wake up in the morning, there for a while, it's all so good. I call him and we just spend weekends away. And he dines me and there's no problems in the world. And I wave goodbye as he drives away. Oh, it's such a wonderful life. It just is. And then you marry There's distance, and all of a sudden, you wake up one day, and you look over and think, what in the world just happened? Why do I want to just smother him? (laughs) The 
reason is you got close to him. Listen to me, Grace. Part of the primary fault in relationship is you and me. We took us, our wire brush, Willie, and we got closer. And the closer you get, if you don't remove the wire brush, let me tell you, then when you move in, they want to move out. If everyone just paused and said, in the midst of an argument, I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting what I want from you. And then this light bulb went off. If I can't get it from you, and I can't get it from you, then where do I get it? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's my unrealistic expectations. Some of you now are saying, boy, I wish you knew my husband, Pastor Jim. And some of you are saying right now, this is great stuff. Or I wish my daughter could hear this message. And you know what? I'm sending the link this week to Bill and to Beth and to Terry and to Alice. And while I'm at it, I'm sending it to Pastor Jim because he ticks me off. Listen to it again. (laughs) And all I want to say is this. There you go again. Blaming someone else. It's their problem. You're just ready. You can't, you're going to be the first in line out there for that CD. You're not buying that CD for you. You're buying it for him and her. It's not for you because, whoa, look at me. You're ready just to wag your finger and stomp your foot and just show your hips. Because you know it's them. Come on, Pastor Jim, it could dare not be me. Take a look. James says, oh, yes, it could be. It's because of what's raging inside of you. By the way, I'll say this again. There's no such thing as married problems. They're called single people problems. And the minute you get married, you take your problems up close and fight and quarrel. While before, you know what you did? Just move to another house if you didn't like the roommate. I can't stand him. I can't stand her. I'm moving out. I don't like that boss. I'll go to another job. And all your life, you've been running and running and running and running and running. And you know what you've been running from? You've been running from you. And as soon as you put you back up against someone else, guess what happens? Wirebrush Willie is back. Listen to me, church. This is incredible truth that could revolutionize relationships. So when you get married, you can't do that because you said for better, for worse, and sickness and in health, and snoring and in farting, whatever it is. In Jesus' name. James says this, there is resolution to this. And guess what it is? You bring Jesus into the mess. 
Look what he says. Look at chapter four. Look at verse two. Look at the end of verse two. He says, you do not have because you do not ask who? And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with what kind of motives? That you may spend what you get on your what? So James is saying, listen, the reason you don't find resolution to this conflict is because you have not because you ask not. One of the most taken out of context verses I've ever read. It's in relationship to quarrels and fights. And James says this, the reason you're not finding resolution is because you keep blaming. It's them, it's them, it's them. And and you have neglected to ask God, God, help me. God, handle this. God, show me. And before you carry your list into your kid's bedroom, and before you sock and scream and litigate and, and, and clam up and just don't speak to her or speak to him, James says, have you asked God? And before you talk to God and and ask him to take care of him, and before you go into prayer and say, God, he's a mess, take care of him. God's saying, listen, pray. Maybe the prayer begins like this, Lord, my problem is because I can't get what I want from them. So God, what is it about me that's messed up? Holy Spirit, reveal to me. I humble myself before you. What have I done to cause this conflict? What's wrong with me? And if you allow the Holy Spirit in that tender moment of brokenness, let me tell you, he will gently reveal to you what's wrong with you and not And when you find out what's wrong with you, you go to God and say, God, I am so sorry. I confess this sin. Please forgive me. And then you approach this situation with new ground and a new heart and a new mind and a new voice. It's amazing how different you feel after you ask God to help you. And maybe you pray like this. Maybe you realize there's a situation with your child, like they're, 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 they're going out with this guy or going out with this girl and you've been at it. You're like going at them and going at them. And it's like, you can't stop them. It's like, why can't I break that up? And I've tried and I try in this relationship and you keep coming after him, going after him. And maybe you just pray and say, God, would you please break up that relationship with my daughter and that loser boy? I know you created him good, but give him someone else and send him to another state. Jesus' name, amen. But give it to God first. Maybe you pray, God, instead of badgering your husband, you get out, get a job, go 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 get a job. Maybe you pray, God, I pray that you give my husband a new position at work so we can pay our bills and he can get his fat butt off the couch. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you pray and ask God to help you zip your trap before you start swinging your words. And maybe before you type that Facebook post and that email that you have so eloquently put together in 27 seconds, 
man, you got adjectives that you haven't used before. Mm, you're just, woo. And maybe before you wag your finger at that email, you say, God, is there anything in here that maybe sort of, kind of shouldn't go out? And you pray and you say, God, tell me what to say. And you open your eyes and your heart says, delete. Maybe we just need to pull away and say, we got some work to do. Instead of blaming everyone else, recognizing I can't get what I want from them. And the reason it probably is, is because I have this battle raging inside of me. James says the reason you don't get resolution is because of improper motives and self-serving pleasures. So you say, okay, Pastor Jim, I'll pray. (laughs) God, take care of that mess. Here's all his problems right here. They are. You want them? No, James says, pray with proper motives, not blaming motives. Pray with proper motives. And before you try to go extracting and getting something from someone you can't get it from, maybe you need to pull away and take ownership of your own life and say, what is it that I need to change? So many of us are still trying to get something from a husband, from a wife, from a child, from a mother-in-law and father-in-law and a mother and dad. We keep trying and trying and blaming and blaming and wishing and hoping and pushing and telling them it's their fault. We keep trying to squeeze something from people that we can't get. This week I was reminded of that even as I was prepping for this message. I like Colgate toothpaste. My wife likes Crest. And so we have this ongoing Colgate Crest. She gets Crest. I get Colgate. I can't stand gel toothpaste. I like white paste. And so this week, as I got to the end of the cold gate, I was squeezing, 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 and squeezing, squeezing. It was like six straight days of squeezing. You know, you just you twist it, and you oh, I got it. That's awesome. It's amazing the victories you have in the bathroom. <laughs> but I kept squeezing more and more and more and more and trying to get more, and I couldn't get it. So I said, I better replace it. So it's like, where's the Colgate, Ann? Blaming. So I open up the drawer there in the bathroom, and there was like 546 crests. <laughs> Doggone it, not one Colgate. And it's her fault. And I was trying to extract and ready to blame. And I thought, Jim, you got to preach on Sunday. I was trying to get something from my wife that I couldn't get. And I was ready to blame and just have this quarrel and go back. I told you a hundred times that I like Colgate. I hate grass. I knew I was wrong about it. I come from a family of screamers. Imagine that. (laughs) And God spoke to me and said, Jim, you're about to try to get something from her that you can't get. Oh, was I convicted. Oh. When you begin to realize that probably the primary part of the problem is with you, then all of a sudden conflicts 
diminish. The issue James is saying here is this. When you enter a conversation at a different spot after praying, everything changes. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe, like, you were the basketball stud in your high school, and, you know, you were like, you were Mr. Basketball. And you got three boys, and it's like, you want them to be basketball players too. You want them to be really great basketball players, and you love watching them on the court. And it's like, every time you see them make a sweet move between the legs and hit a J from 22 feet for three, it's like, yeah, you don't feel good for them. You feel good about you. And maybe you've been living vicariously through your kids and their accomplishments. And, and, and all of a sudden, Junior comes along after like 10th grade and says, you know what, Dad? I don't think I'm going to play basketball anymore. I don't even like it. And you're like, oh, yes, you. And you're trying to get something from them that you can't get. Maybe you might say, you know what? Hey, that's okay. And maybe you have a daughter or son that you wanted to be a dentist because everyone in your family were dentists. We all had straight teeth, white teeth, and we used crest. <laughs> and maybe they go to their first year of college and you say, I hate the smell of bad breath. And I want to be a counselor. And maybe you say, you know what? That's okay. Because maybe you're trying to get something from them that you can't get. And maybe you want a man that can leap tall buildings in a single bound and lead a Bible study and quote Greek and Hebrew. But he's really good at just building an incredible orphanage for orphans. And you've been trying to get something from him that he can't give you. And you say, you know what? Go build that orphanage. The very thing that you've been trying to squeeze out of someone else is available in Jesus Christ. So, who in your family is suffering because you're not getting what you want from them? And they're still trying to live up to your expectations. And they're going to come home at Christmas and feel that pressure all over again. And they're 30 years old. Maybe you need to go to them and say, you know what? I am so proud of the way that you love Jesus. And you don't have to do another thing to make me prouder. Who is suffering because this has more to do with you than them. God, I pray today that there would be breakthrough in relationships. I pray today that parents would release control of their grown children, that fathers would call their children up and say, hey, you do whatever you want for Christmas. Mom and dad, mom and I are, are okay with this. That husbands look at their wives and say, I'm sorry for expecting something out of you that I can't get. That children go to their parents 
and say, I don't care if you are like Johnny's parents. I just want you to be you and I love you. God, this stuff could revolutionize relationships. I pray that we would be courageous enough to apply it and that we would be humble enough to go low instead of high in relationships. Lord, I pray that this Christmas would be different than any Christmas we've ever experienced when it comes to family relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.